Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. Your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, is out to dispel that myth of the perfect child and encourage parents to let them out of the box. Each child is unique, and this show is just the place to stand up and shout out that fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. So right now, join the queen of accountability who advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. Here is your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein. I'm your host, Tara Kennedy Klein, and I'm coming to you on a beautiful, sunny uh, Monday after Labor or Tuesday after Labor Day. And, uh, I, it, you know, it's so funny to me. I remember going back to school the Tuesday after Labor Day, like forever. Maybe I'm dating myself, whatever. But my kids have been in school for a week. You know, they started back in August and I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand why we had to take away, you know, that last week of summer break as it were and, and send them back early, but whatever. But I just had an awesome opportunity to be on a local news show and, and do some cool things about getting geared up for back to school. And I'm really psyched about, well, getting my house back. <laughs> I love having my peace and quiet in the morning after the kids go. I miss them. You know, it's fun having them around and all that stuff. But I really do enjoy having that peace and quiet and reflection time when I'm here by myself without my kids. So it was a it was a great holiday weekend, but I was looking forward to sending them off on the bus this morning again and, and uh, getting that quiet time back. You know, I really do recommend um, if you're a parent, that you take some quiet time for yourself every single day. I have a coach that I'm working with and, you know, even coaches need coaches, right? So I have this coach that I'm working with. And one of the things that they said to me was a deal breaker for our coaching agreement was that I have to take at least 15 to 30 minutes of alone time for myself every day just to get back into myself, you know, get back into my own thoughts instead of those external thoughts of everything that we have to do for everybody else, you know, get back into yourself. No, you know, unplug completely, no TV, no iPhone, no iPad, no computers, no email, just quiet reflection time. You know, don't even read, just sit there and just get lost in your own thoughts. And practice that I used to do um, about six years ago when I wrote Stop Raising Einstein, I was really into that. It was like a meditative practice and I got away from it. And, you know, I started to notice it. I started to notice it in my energy levels and my focus levels, in my tolerance levels. You know, my fuse was getting shorter and I was getting louder. And um, now that I've been taking that time for myself, I'm really noticing that I'm a lot more grounded and I'm a lot more centered and even though I still have just as many things on my to-do list, I'm able to prioritize that to-do list and I'm able to focus a lot better in getting those things done. So I highly, highly recommend that you, you know, take some time for yourself every single day. Even if you lock yourself in the bathroom, you know, those little fingers still fit under the door. I get it. But your kids are going to be fine. You know, everybody's going to be great. They're actually going to be better if you just take that time for yourself and just, you know, 
get into your own thoughts and and just fill your own picture. So that's not my rant that you would normally expect from me. I had one planned, but it wasn't going to end well. <laughs> Thank you, Terry Dillinger, for talking me out of it. Um, and uh, so I just want to get into talking with my guest today. I have been looking forward to having this guy on my show for a really, really, really long time. Um, and it's Dad Day. So, you know, the first Tuesday of the month, we celebrate dads and parenting because we just don't give them the props that they deserve. And I've been really looking forward to having Sean Smith on my show. He is, um, well, to to his own credit, he is a slowly recovering perfectionist. And we just embrace that here. We really, really do, Sean. Um, he's 100% flawed in his own words, cracked and troubled with all the same internal blocks and challenges that all of us deal with as human beings. And he has an amazing story behind why he created Raising Empowered Kids. Um, you know, he was... You know, as a kid, he went through some really, really scary experiences that taught him at a very young age to embrace every single day as if it's your last. And so he started this program, Raising Empowering Ki Empowered Kids, and just could not wait to get him on the show. He's a dad and a husband, and then he's a speaker, coach, and seminar leader second. But he's super, super fun, super relatable, and really, really smart. I'm so glad to have him on the show. Sean Smith, are you there? Yay. Yes, I'm here. I can't wait. I've been waiting for this for a long time, too. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Woohoo! I always say that I want my yeah. family to applaud when I get to the top of the stairs in the morning. <laughs> 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 I think it would do so I much love for that. my ego. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It? So I how know. are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. I had a nice three-day weekend and just recharged and ready to talk parenting. Holy cow. I mean, we could go on and we could do a whole show on what you were just talking about, taking time for yourself, especially as a parent. But, um, yeah, I'm fired up to be here. Thanks so much. And you know what? It's, it, it's so true. It's something that we should actually put it on our to-do list, you know? Yeah. Do exercise, take care of yourself, give yourself 15 to 20 minutes, schedule it, schedule it like an appointment. My husband's been telling me that forever, Sean, honestly, he's like, you have to <laughs> schedule things just like you would schedule an appointment or you would schedule your radio show. You have to schedule these things for yourself. And I'm like, whatever, you know, I'm not going to listen to him. He's my husband, but, <laughs> but somebody else says it to me. I'm all over it. <laughs> well, Tara, I uh, think you so should schedule these things. I really do. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. I'll do it now. <laughs> there you go. Now, now somebody other than your husband. So now, now you can go ahead and do it. Your, your ego excited. will allow it now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask you, you know, I, I'm all about empowering kids. Um, and it, I've, it's been my thing since I was young. I just didn't know it when I was young, you know, that mm -hmm. I, it, people always said it was ego. And as I got older, I realized it's not ego or pride or selfishness. It's self-care and it's life skills. Yeah. You know, when we empower our kids, we don't empower them. I, I just had a guest on last week and we had a, a similar conversation. People mistake empowerment for arrogance. And it's completely yeah, different. Yeah, so true. You know, so what got you started on this path of of empowering 
wanting to empower kids. Yeah, I'm right with you on that. I mean, there's so much in the word empower, and it's not arrogance. It's not to the detriment of other people that I'm better than you, but it is just filling kids up with self-confidence and self-esteem and self-love and all these things that truthfully most of us as adults are missing. You know, and I didn't set out to be any kind of parenting coach or anything like that. You briefly mentioned um, in my background, when I was 13 years old, I got hit by a car. And, you know, by all the details, the accident, I should have died. This car was going 50 miles an hour. I pulled out in front of him on my bike. And I had this near-death experience, and I just made a promise to myself. You know, I really got that life can end at any point. And I made this promise to myself that I was going to never settle. You know, I was going to take every day... Um, not ever take anything for granted and so forth and be grateful. And I tried to live that way over the next 20 years or so, but still kind of fell into the pattern of sabotage and all this stuff. And then about eight years ago, I had another just giant um, breakthrough with a life coach. I was glad to hear you talk about coaching earlier. And I started to get into this whole world of fears and limiting beliefs and how we hold ourselves back and so forth. So over the next you know, seven years, I've been focused on teaching entrepreneurs primarily how to get over their fears and limiting beliefs and all these things that really hold us back. And what kept happening, Tara, is I kept realizing that pretty much everything that we have as adults that get in the way is some way, you know, in some shape tied to some childhood events or some childhood series events, Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's a relationship with our parents that we didn't like or we were hurt on the playground or our first love or any of that stuff that happens when we're really young manifests and it creates habits and it creates identities. And pretty soon, later on in life, those identities and habits, they all feel like truth. You know, they feel like there's nothing that we can do about it. So really, mine was a noticing how, I mean, I always knew that your childhood is really important, but I didn't really understand how these little tiny events in childhood that to us as parents might seem insignificant, you know, 20 years later might be completely detrimental. So my fear, really, my fear was that my kids 20 or 30 years from now are going to have to pay somebody like me to fix something that I did to them, right? <laughs> so then I, I, I kept telling, you know, I kept telling people, when you learn this stuff, it'll change the way you parent. And I kept saying... People need to teach parents these things that we don't know because there's no, you know, manual. It'd be nice if we had a manual when these things come out, but we don't. And so I kept hearing myself saying, somebody needs to teach parents, you know, how these limiting beliefs are created. And finally, I realized that I'm that somebody. And so I started writing this book called How to Raise Empowered Kids. And the main focus of it is limiting beliefs. And it's how do we stop? Because I think our kids are, are, are created perfectly. I mean, nobody's perfect, but they're created perfectly. If we just don't mess them up, you know, we being society in general, but obviously we as parents have a huge part in that. And if we just don't mess them up, then they've got this chance to really flourish and to have a life that they love and to believe that they can be and do and have whatever they want in life. So that's what I've become really passionate about. It's, it's Like I said, it's kind of a backwards thing where I just noticed what was happening instead of, hey, I want to be this, you know, this parenting coach. Right. It's so crazy. I mean, I, I think that we've gotten to the point though, that some people realize that this is happening. Um, and that's where helicopter parents come from. 
Because we're like, yeah. now we're so panicked to not let anything bad happen to them that we mm-hmm. don't even let them, we don't even let them trip. We, we catch them before they even fall. And who knows if that oh. wound is going to be the thing that teaches them, you know, a huge lesson down the road. It's kind of weird. We only have 30 seconds That's- until we go to our break. But um, when we come back, I want to talk to you. You have a lot of things that you talk about, about how these limiting beliefs are created in childhood. And I really want to kind of get into the meat of that so we can help parents understand what should you prevent and what should you allow as far as wounds for our children when we come right back. Absolutely. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. Are you ready to start... Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-woo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of WooHoo Inc. and the WooHoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get it. that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smarts, strategies, and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stop Raising Einstein. I'm your hostess, Tara Kennedy Klein, and I'm being joined today by an amazingly fun guest. Um, And he is the creator of Raising Empowered Kids, which I absolutely love the title of that. Um, And uh, I'm sorry, his name is Sean Smith. (laughs) I'm just going through all your notes, Sean, and I'm like trying to talk and read at the same time. And you know, being completely ADD myself, that doesn't always go so well for me. But um, 
Sean, I want to make sure that everybody knows how to get a hold of you too. You are on Facebook at, and it's Sean Smith fan page and it's Sean S E A N Sean Smith fan page. And, um, you also have your, your website, coach Sean So what kind of stuff do you have on your website? That website, Coach Sean Smith, is kind of all things coaching. And so there's all kinds of, you know, free stuff on fears and limiting beliefs and, you know, all of that. We've got some things on parenting on that as well. And then there's, you know, a parenting-only website as well if you want to get that out, which is just raisingempoweredkids.com. Okay, great. And that one is, like, that's where parents go for what we're talking about today and all of your books and stuff like that. Yeah, that's only, that's just strictly parenting conversation. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that we need more of that. You know, uh, the, that whole, you know, kids weren't born with a, with a manual cliche. That's so, you know what? It's not true anymore. There's like 10,000 yeah, manuals right, out there. Because, yeah, you, you are <laughs> right. There, there's a lot of information out here. Um, nowadays, and, you know, I think it's something that I think we need to give our parents some slack because a, a generation ago there wasn't all of that information like we have now. So I think that's one of the things that as we look up to our parents and what they did or didn't do with us, they didn't have the same awareness, you know, information and all that stuff that we do now. But you're absolutely right. There is a lot of information, and this is a, a really important subject. And before we get into the limiting beliefs, can I address what you had said earlier about the, the helicopter parent? Mm-hmm. Because I love what you said, and I, I think it is important to know, you know, what happens to our kids mentally and so forth, but also not to be so freaked out that you do become this helicopter parent. You don't let them fall down at all. And the best analogy that I give is if you if you imagine a, a child putting together a puzzle, and when they're not really good at puzzles, you know, they, they take the piece and they don't really understand how to move it all around and stuff like that. I think most parents have probably had this scenario where the child has this puzzle piece that actually fits, but they're not doing it correctly, right? And mm-hmm. so they'll take this the correct piece and start to put it in, and then they'll put it back in the pile. And most parents can't stand their own discomfort in that moment. And so they jump in and they take the piece and they put it in for the child. And it's little things like that when they jump in and, and, and try to avoid this discomfort that the child's not even having. It really robs the kid from learning and growing because there's nothing like watching the child fumble around and finally get it. That look that the child has when they did it. And they look up to you like, are you proud of me? Look at what I accomplished. We are robbing them of that feeling, of that experience, when we just jump in and do everything for them. So I think that's, I mean, that, you know, who, who knows what's worse than the other, but, I mean, that's obviously not good also. So we have to let them grow and learn and get scabs in their knees and all of this stuff. And it can be tough as a parent, but, I mean, we have to. If we really want them to be empowered, which is, you know, kind of the theme of the show, obviously. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, it's so funny. It's so funny to me. One of the conversations or one of the questions that I was asked recently about going back to school was, should parents or should they not 
help their kids with homework and projects and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I, I know for me, there's a huge difference between helping and doing. And doing, you know? yes. Right? If I'm going to support my child to do their homework, one of the things I do is I say, teach me. Teach me how to do it. And in teaching me, I'm doing two things. I'm empowering them because they're showing me what they've learned. And I'm reinforcing the fact that they really do know how to do it. But I'm doing it in a fun way. If I'm going to sit there and I'm going to do the whole thing for them and then have them go back and hand it in as if it's their work, it's to your point. It's robbing them of the experience of either knowing it and being proud that you knew it or admitting that you don't know it so you can be taught how. Yeah, we're really creating victims that way, you know, because then, then kids grow up thinking that they're stupid and they need somebody else to help them out all, always. And we as parents, you know, we do that thinking that we're doing the right thing so that they get an A and feel good about themselves. But in reality, you know, it's kind of like the concept of winning a battle and losing a war. It, it yeah. really is a huge detriment to the kids psyche and identity going forward if we don't let them learn how to do things on their own. Exactly. True story. And I'll tell you what, what could be worse than taking a project or homework into your classroom, sitting it on your desk, having your teacher come over and look at it and go, oh my gosh, you got everyone right. Tell the class how you got number five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, so what do you set your kid up for? You know, yeah, and that's one of those things that we were talking about, like, that's how and and you know what, Sean, I believe that that kind of goes back to how we create those limiting beliefs in our kids. Because when we set them up to fail, that's one of those things that now your child isn't raising their hand anymore. Now they're not they're not participating in class anymore. And you're going in there talking to the teacher and going, but they used to be such an outgoing child and they used to do this and they used to do that and they don't anymore. You kind of have to look back and go, what have I done? What have I created by not allowing them to be themselves authentically? And have I created a negative belief system that's preventing my child from doing what they used to do or would love to do or whatever? So you talk about that a lot in your book. So what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, first of all, I used to be a seventh grade math teacher, and the hardest thing, I had no problem with discipline or anything else in the classroom, except the hardest thing was to get kids to raise their hand. And that's when this fascination started for me. Like, why are kids so scared to raise their hand? And it goes back to everything that we just talked about. It's the fear of being wrong. It's the fear of being stupid. It's the fear of being found out. And all of that just gets worse and worse and worse as they progress through school, but then they go into life with those same beliefs of, I can't do this, or I'm not smart, or whatever. So now if we go back to just in general how beliefs are created, it's really simple, you know, and it's, you know, a belief is nothing more than a story that we have in our head. A lot of times we call it head talk or, you know, just self-talk. But it's nothing more than a story we have in our head. And the way a belief happens is at some point in time in childhood, something happens. Now, so we'll talk about negative beliefs just for the focus of this call. 
something happens where a child feels something negative. They feel embarrassed. They feel pain. They feel left out. Some kind of negative situation happens, and their brain tries to avoid that from ever happening again. So it comes up with some story that's going to protect them, basically. And mm-hmm. that story, when, when left to the child, to, to a young child's mind, that story will usually come out in the form of, I'm not something enough. I'm not smart <laughs> enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. It, it's just the way the mind kind of defaults a story. And then when that story is created, then the mind just looks for evidence to prove it true. So at the, at the base level, like that, that's really all that's happening. The, the child starts a story about who they are, and there's basically three kinds of beliefs. We have beliefs about ourselves, we have beliefs about other people, and then we have beliefs about the world at large, right? So a child might grow up, um, you know, thinking that money doesn't grow on trees, for instance. That's just a belief about the world. Now, where does the child get the belief that money doesn't grow on trees? Because parents say money doesn't grow on trees, right? Because they don't have enough money to buy toys or whatever. Uh, or <laughs> if, if a child, or, you know, maybe the parent will tell the child, oh, we probably don't have time to, to go into the full story, but I was playing at the park one time with my kid, and my kid didn't want to play with this particular boy who was just like a little bully. And, the, and the, the boy went to his father and said, you know, these kids don't want to play with me. And the father said to him, now, he said this to the, to the kid in Spanish, thinking that I didn't understand Spanish, which I do. But he basically said to this child in Spanish, that's how white people are. And I just oh. thought, wow, here's a three-year-old kid who just got fed something from his dad who now believes that white people are just, you know, they don't want to, they, they don't want to um, play with us. Now, the fact that it's white and Spanish has nothing to do whatsoever other than just, like, that's the story that's on my mind. But the parent, mm-hmm. when we as parents feed our kids some kind of story like that, then that's what sticks. And so later on in life, they go through school, everything that we've been talking about, and they just grow up believing this story is true. And I remember reading the... Uh, a, a study that said when children enter school at the age of, you know, five or so, 95% of them have high self-esteem. But when they leave school at the age of 18, 95% of them have low self-esteem. So sometimes wow. during that school phase, most kids' self-esteem completely flips over. And they That's leave crazy. high school broken on some level. Isn't it? It's tragic. It but is tragic. school provides just a nonstop environment for kids to feel bad about themselves. And then when we add on, you know, the, the stuff that we as parents either don't know about or might be even contributing to, then, you know, it's even more challenging. But to your point earlier, it's important that we as parents aren't so freaked out by every single thing that happens to our kids because especially when they're younger, these stories aren't very powerful yet. So right. if you have a child that comes home, like when we, w- w- my wife and I, when we hear our kids, we're going to go to, we're actually like, going to go to break now, Sean. But when we come back, I want to hear the okay, rest of sorry. your story. 
and also how we can uncreate some of these limiting beliefs for our kids, which I think is really, really important when we come right back. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. It's not just time for a change, is it? It's much bigger than that. Can you feel it? It's time for a transformation. Will you now imagine that you can and will transform your life? Will you suspend your disbelief and imagine that all things are not just possible, but probable? Imagine that you will meet guides, mentors, and trusted friends who believe in you, hold your hand as they point the way, and teach you to trust your own wisdom. The first of these friends is spiritual girlfriend, Gail Carruthers. Gail will show you how to believe. Believe your perfect divine wisdom will reveal your worthiness. Believe that knowing your power will open your boundless courage. Courage to live consciously, fearlessly, and joyfully. And then know, know all these things are already here and waiting for you to bring them into your divine life. She is here to help you discover, believe, and know. So join Gail, your spiritual girlfriend, every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse. Involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am being joined by my awesome guest, Sean Smith, who is the creator of Raising Empowered Kids. And before the break, Sean, we were talking about um, limiting beliefs in childhood and how they're created and um, really an amazing statistic. 95% of kids going into school have high self-esteem. By the time they graduate, 95% of them have low self-esteem, which is basically telling us that this is you know, this is basically a distillery for negative belief systems when we put our kids 
know, it, it, that's just totally amazing to me. And it's kind of sad. Um, but I can tell you that one of the biggest things that I remember about childhood is everything that happened, happened to me in, in, from my vantage. Everything that happened, every event, it was happening to me. And, you know, there was so much drama and it, it just stuck with me. And I have these vivid, vivid memories of any little embarrassing thing that ever happened. You know, you spit milk out at the lunch table and, you know, it's it, it, that stays with you forever. And so I can I can understand why those negative belief systems would kind of cement themselves into our understanding of who we are and create our, you know, our beliefs about ourselves. How can we uncreate this stuff like how can we prevent it or stop it or roll it back or something well the simple answer to that is we just have to create a different story if these things are nothing more than stories like your like your story is all these things happen to me we just have to have a different story and so we as parents we've got to help our kids create those new stories that don't damage their self-esteem and the earlier and younger they are, the easier it is. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite stories for kids is hurt people hurt people. Because as kids get older and they go into middle school and they go into, into high school, there's a lot of bullying that goes on. There's a lot of kids that are, I mean, they're just brutal to other people. And that's really hard, obviously, for kids to handle. But if you tell a child, you know, the only reason that another child would hurt somebody else is that that child is hurting himself or herself. And if somebody's in pain, that they tend to try to hurt other people. That has been so powerful for so many kids to understand why other kids do the things that they do, why they bully people and so forth. But again, the mm -hmm. bottom line is we've got to give our children a story that keeps the pain away from themselves, that it's not that they are not good enough or that they are not likable or that they don't fit in. We've got to just simply give them a different story. So if we as parents want our children to have a certain kind of head talk later on, like whatever you want your children to say to themselves later on in life, you have to start those stories for them and continually talk to them about that stuff. You know, one of the things I was briefly going to say is when we hear our kids come home and say something like, I can't draw, we hear that that's the beginning of a negative story, and we jump on it. I mean, we challenge it. Like, who told you that? Who lied to you about that? And I mean, you're a fantastic artist, and let's look at this. And So I think that's the best thing we can do as parents. We can't help them avoid all of those potential painful events in childhood, but we can help them reframe them. We can help them hold on to them a different way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I get so excited sometimes. I don't you know, know if it's coming out as clearly as it is in my head. No, it absolutely does, Sean. And, you know, here's I'm just going to give you a real quick um, a story about how that related, how why maybe parents can wrap their brains out of around something very specific. When I was in sixth grade, I was really, really good at math. I was on the math counts team and, you know, all those things. I was really built up for my math abilities. Right. Then we got into algebra. And um, I remember being completely stumped. I didn't understand what we were learning. I didn't understand what the teacher was teaching us because it was too abstract for me. I wasn't getting it, right? So after class one day, mm -hmm. I walked up to the front of the room and I said to the teacher, I really need your help with this. And she looked up from her desk and she said, 
I can't help you with this. Nobody can help you with this. You're just really bad at math. So I went, okay. And so I went home and um, I said to my mom, my teacher told me that I should just maybe give up this year and take something like consumer math next year because I'm just really bad at math. And my mom went, huh, well, if your teacher says you're really bad at math, maybe, maybe we should get you a tutor. You know, she never said to me, that's just not true, Tara, because last year you were on the Math Counts team. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. if what she was saying is true, you wouldn't have been there. My mom followed the story because someone in authority said it. I came home. Right. I said it. My mom affirmed it. And I went for the next 35 years believing that I sucked at math. Yeah. You know, it's and it's mm-hmm. that. But my point is, it can be one statement that quick at the right point in time when we are the weakest and more most willing to accept it as truth and it can change our entire belief system about ourselves that's it, that's I, a, a great story and if your mom had had the awareness of the time to do what you said then that's like you had started on this new path she could have helped you get right back on the old path of being confident about yourself i think that's just what we need as parents that kind of awareness yeah if you know something's not true for your child, you know, don't try to use that negative truth as a way of disciplining your child. I see so many parents doing that, you know, and, you know, it's the yeah. old Italian mother guilt trip. And I get that that used to be effective to a point, <laughs> but it's right. really not an effective way of disciplining your child. So if your child comes home and says something, you know, that something bad that happened to them, um, probably not the first thing to go into is, you know, well, what did you do to deserve that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, maybe to say something like, well, how would you have done that differently if you had it to do over, which is, you know, we found to be a really cool way to look at things for kids. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's really changed the way my son looks at himself. Instead of looking at everything as a failure, he looks at it as an opportunity yeah. to improve, you know? And that's, think at, at the core, I think that's the best we can do for parents. And that's what an empowered kid really is. Somebody who can look at life and look forward and not take failure as just, like you know, this blanket statement and you're not good enough and how can I do better next time? I mean, that's, exactly. that's all we can do. So you talk about the five A's that all kids desperately need from their parents. What are those? These, oh, this is such good content. I, you know, with not trying to be egotistical. But if, if, if all parents just had these five A's in, in the top of their mind, we'd be able to avoid so many of the things that we're talking about. So I'll just go through them really quick, and then we can talk you know, individually about anything that you want to expand on. The first one is acknowledgement. You know, being ignored is one of the deepest pains that anybody could have. So we just got to acknowledge our kids. The second one, and these are not in any kind of order. The second one is attention. And that goes deeper than just acknowledgement. That means taking an interest in your child and taking an interest in their interest, right? And I also think it's important that when you have more than one child, you give each child individual attention, that it's not always just something with, you know, each of them. I mean, something with all of them. Mm-hmm. The third one is affection. And this is a problem for fathers especially, because we as men are not supposed to be emotional and affectionate. 
And too often our kids lose out because we don't show them, you know, whether it's physical or just emotional words, we don't show them that affection. That's really, really damaging, you know, later on in relationships and, you know, all kinds of other areas in life. The fourth A is appreciation. But the distinction here is it's crucial that we appreciate our children for who they are (laughs) Not what they do. In other words, we need to appreciate them as people, not just as little performers. It's, it's the, it's the kids that bring home, you know, straight A's and they get rewards, but when they have a B, they get a consequence. Or this, or the dad or the mom goes, you know, how come you didn't get all these A's? Or the child that really excels in sports, you know, but if they have a bad game, you know, the, the, the parents turn their back on them or something. I know that's kind of a harsh example, but. We need to really fill them up as people, not just as performers. And then the fifth A is acceptance. And this is unconditional acceptance. We talk about unconditional love all the time, but too often our acceptance of them is conditional upon what they've done or whether they've spilt milk or whatever. And I think it's so important to distinguish their actions versus who they are. So if a child is doing something that you disapprove of, You know, don't say, I'm angry at you, because that is so damaging, and that just cements this idea that if they behave well, then people will like them, but if they don't behave well, then people won't like them as a person, you know, who they are. So we've got to unconditionally be our kids' biggest supporters and biggest fans. That doesn't mean that we, you know, don't pay attention to to the behavior that they need to change from our vantage point. That's not what I'm saying. You can still be your child's biggest fan and talk about a behavior that needs to shift or talk about how they could have done something different, like you mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. when we do these things, I think we keep our children's self-esteem and confidence whole and complete. And then now we got to look at all we have to look at is behavior going forward. And that's so much easier that way. I love everything. I I love these. I love the five A's. And I think that that could be such an awesome tool for parents to keep in the back of their minds when they're dealing with different circumstances and situations and behaviors. Um, We're going to go to a break in like 30 seconds. But when we come back, I really want to talk to you because there's a couple of them that um, maybe... Uh, well, that I might have a little bit of a different spin on the way I see them. The cool. one that I'm thinking of to, is the, the unconditional acceptance, you know, because I, I did write that whole thing. It's time to tell your kids you don't like them. So we can <laughs> talk about where that came <laughs> cool. from um, when, we, when we come back from this break. Stay tuned for more of the show. Tara, the self-proclaimed queen of accountability, loudly advocates positive parenting and unique education for spirited children. She wants to help you shout out the fact that children need to be raised to discover their own unique brilliance. We'll be right back. It's not just time for a change, is it? It's much bigger than that. Can you feel it? It's time for a transformation. Will you now imagine that you can and will transform your life? Will you suspend your disbelief and imagine that all things are not just possible, but probable? Imagine that you will meet guides, mentors, and trusted friends who believe in you. Hold your hand as they point the way and teach you to trust your own wisdom. 
The first of these friends is spiritual girlfriend Gail Carruthers. Gail will show you how to believe. Believe your perfect divine wisdom will reveal your worthiness. Believe that knowing your power will open your boundless courage. Courage to live consciously, fearlessly, and joyfully. And then know, know all these things are already here and waiting for you to bring them into your divine life. She is here to help you discover, believe, and know. So join Gail, your spiritual girlfriend, every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rowland's Brazil. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Tara's passion and purpose is to redirect parents who are frustrated trying to raise the perfect child in an imperfect world and encourage them to discover the unique brilliance in their children, in themselves, even on those days where they wonder why they ever had kids in the first place. Here she is, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are in the home stretch with my awesome guest, Sean Smith, who's the creator of Raising Empowered Kids. And uh, before the break, it was, uh, I, I have to tell you, Sean, I, I do get a lot of pushback on this one, but um, you gave us our, your five A's, which I absolutely love, acknowledge, attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance. And the last one, the acceptance one, um, I, I wrote an article not too long ago uh, entitled, It's Time to Tell Your Kids You Don't Like Them, and got, <laughs> <laughs> got quite a mixed bag of feedback on that one. Um, but the basis of the whole article was not to tell your kids they aren't likable. It was based <clears throat> on my experience with those parents on the opposite end of the spectrum from what you're talking about whose children, even when they're doing something terribly, terribly wrong, never, ever understand that they're doing anything wrong. So it's that kid that, you know, it's that little devious little three-year-old who pushes her cousin down constantly because she can and then laughs about it. And then when her cousin doesn't want to play with her, the mom says, that's okay. We don't want to play with people like that anyway. Instead of saying, you know what, Sally? What you were doing was really unlikable. People don't want to be pushed down. Yeah, you might not want to push people down. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, I hear you. So I think we can take the acceptance thing to an extreme, but I think we can do that with anything, though, right? 
Yeah, and I think the essence of what you're saying is still making a distinction between what you did. You know, you pushed her down. That's an action. That's not who you are. So I, I think, you know, we the wording might sound like it's disagreement, but I think it's, I, I think it's total agreement, honestly. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's distinction, like you said. You're not saying, listen, you are unlikable as a child, as a human being. You know, nobody's going to like you. Like your teacher right. said, you're not just not good at math. Just deal with it. It's mm-hmm. let's take a look at your actions. And one of my, I guess, controversial topics that I like, that I love, I, I love stirring the pot. You know what, Tara? I think the win is not in getting anybody to necessarily agree with what we say. It's to create a conversation that causes parents to look at what we do with some intention behind it. So mm-hmm. anytime that feathers get ruffled, I think that's a good thing, right? But one of yes. the things that I tell parents is don't teach your kids right and wrong. And I just don't really think that we should give this black and white, some things are right and some things are wrong, you know, behavior rules to our kids. Because what I think is better for our children is to learn as they go what's right and wrong in a certain situation based on all the different factors, right? So I, t- I think it's important for us to teach our kids that life is about actions and outcomes. And if you don't like the outcomes, then change the actions. But when people get stuck on what the right thing to do is, and then they're in a new situation, and their mom or dad is not there to tell them what to do, now you've got a child that you know can't think on their own feet. So I think we both come from this place of let's raise kids to be self-sufficient, to be able to think, to, to be able to challenge everything in life and come up with you know what what's right and wrong for them in the moment exactly i you know i love that i love that because i can't tell you how many battles i get into online and uh, truly the, the <laughs> stuff online really does turn into a battle but i can't tell you how many <laughs> battles i get right where where parents will say you know my 2 year old is doing something over and over and over again that i don't want them to do and then you'll get that one person who pipes up and says you know you need to beat that butt and I'm like, okay, where would you ever think that that would be effective, an effective tool? And they'll come back and say, because at two years old, they know the difference between right and wrong. And my response is, oh, yeah. in what scenario? Mm-hmm. They can't possibly you know, know the I difference heard? between right and wrong in every scenario in life. Exactly. I heard something recently that blew me away. It said, and I forget how they studied this, but like neuroscience or something like that said that a human brain literally cannot truly understand another person's perspective until it's like 13 or 14 years old. That blew my mind. And here we think that a two-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old should be able to see these things that are right and wrong, and literally the human brain can't truly understand life from another viewpoint. So anyway, we can go on and on about that, but... That's an, that's amazing to me because I'm so tired of this whole empathy, the the whole empathy argument and saying, you know, there, there's there's a study out to prove anything that I want to prove. Right, Sean? Am I right on that? Yes. <laughs> I, of course. I can You'll find a study to prove any point I want to make. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the people that are saying, well, that's common sense. It's not common unless you've done it enough times to make it common. To a person yeah. who spent their entire I, life in a stroller, not crossing the street before looking is not common sense. Correct. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, I just and don't I think understand why people parenting... think their brains are so evolved. <laughs> and now I think our brains are, are, are devolved, right, with all technology and just everything that we got going on. But I think ultimately for parents, it's what, what are we trying to teach? Are, are we looking for a short-term fix or a long-term fix? So you can, I mean, we can whip anybody just like we train circus animals. We can use guilt and shame and threat to, in the moment, stop any behavior. But what's the long-term effect on our kids? Mm -hmm. And if we think that way, I think almost all of our responses as parents will then become intuitive. And we'll know what the quote-unquote right thing to do is. It depends on which one you're more committed to, their long-term health and happiness or your short-term, you know, comfort or quiet or whatever. I just don't think it's, it, it's worth, you know, risking our children's behavior or, or beliefs really long-term to get them to shut up. You know, I think that what you're saying is completely true for some of the population. And the reason that I say that, Sean, and it, it's the most disturbing realization that I've ever had. Um, I, I was doing a show a year. Oh, my God, it had to be a year ago. And the woman who I was interviewing was telling a story about how she was at a store and she, the woman behind her had five children and they were like stair steps and they were right in a row. And, you know, the oldest one was in their teens and the youngest one was little teeny tiny, but they all stood there in a perfect row and they all stood there quiet and well behaved and wonderful. And the woman turned around and said, oh, my goodness, how do you manage to get that many children to behave like that? And the woman looked her dead in the face and said, you break their spirit. Wow. Right? So to that wow. woman, for her culture and her life, being empathetic and being accepting and being understanding of our children's uniqueness, foreign language, don't want it, don't need it, doesn't serve yeah. me and my family, you know? <sighs> wow. And I think that's what a the story. sad, sad Holy part. Cow. Yeah. Crazy, right? It, it is. It totally is. It, it, I mean, it goes everything against what I know you and I believe in just empowering kids. I had a moment where my daughter a few years ago was saying, I don't know if she was like just disagreeing with me or she was asking why she had to go to bed or something like that. And I, I instinctually almost used some guilt on her or kind of raised my voice. And I thought, time out. This girl in a few years is going to be in, in middle school and she's going to be in high school. And I want her to stand up for herself. And if I want her to stand up for herself later on, then I need to celebrate at least the willingness to stand up and, and not break her spirit, to use the words of that other lady, right now in this moment. And again, you know, if we focus forward and how do we want our kids to end up on the other side, then we need to plant those seeds now. And sometimes that might mean that we're a little bit more flexible on the rules or we engage in a discussion or something like that that doesn't, you know, look like the perfect quiet household, but in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're doing, we're, we're better by our kids for that. I don't know if that came out clearly, but, you know, we, we've yeah. got to be flexible. Again, it's like the battle of the war. Which one are we more committed to? You're absolutely right, and I, I, I couldn't agree with you more in that I see so much of parents saying that they want to raise independent, um, responsible, respectful adults. That's what they're, you know, I'm not in this to be their friend. I'm in there to be their parent and to raise a responsible, respectful, independent adult. But guess what? 
if you're using submissive tactics to discipline them, you're raising a submissive victim mentality human being who has a lot of self-doubt and not a whole lot of self-respect. So, you know, there is this balance, you know, and I don't, I, it, we struggle. Oh my gosh, this job, (laughs) this parenting job. I know, huh? And I think it's important to take it as lightly as possible and use humor when possible and to not get so emotionally attached because it's so easy to do that and just have fun. You know, know, what if we just decided this parenting game is going to be fun no matter what happens and we operate it that way, the world would be different. The world would be completely different. I think that if we, uh, I want to have this woman on my show, Jacqueline, but if we could learn a discipline I think we'd rule the parents' world because it's so effective. It's so effective if you can get somebody laughing, even at their own mistakes, you know, it just changes their entire perspective and perspective is everything, I think. It's so amazing to me. Sean, I can't believe that our show is over already. (laughs) It's amazing how quickly this time goes. I it's know, so. You, you mean, it was you so. All the parenting, all the parenting, twenty minutes. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta get out of our game. We gotta get out of our game, Sarah. <laughs> Sean, I want people to go to your website so they can hear more from you because you have so much valuable information to share and so much to say. So, before we go to our uh, awesome. Uh, hyped up music here that's going to take us out. I want to make sure that everybody knows how to reach you at um, at your coachseansmith.com, which is kind of your adult part of the website, coaching adults, and then your raisingempoweredkids.com so that people can find out more about what you have to say on parenting. Of course, if you have something to contribute, go to our Facebook page, which is Facebook Stop Raising Einstein. And until next week, keep playing, everybody. Thanks for listening to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Make these Stop Raising Einstein principles your own. Love unconditionally, give freely, laugh openly, learn daily, grow immensely. And of course, listen to the show.